Hello, everyone. Happy Monday. Thank you for watching, listening, however you are taking in the episode of Maximize Monday that you are consuming. We appreciate you taking some time out of the start of your week to join us and discuss uh, what's going on in our world this week. As you can see, a new guest I have, Warren, with me, who is a transition educator, moved into curriculum and instructional development. So very excited to have you talk about you know what you did, how you got to where you are, and share some insight for others who are looking to make the same journey that you successfully made. Awesome. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. So if you've watched the show, you know, we typically will start off by discussing what we have going on the week ahead. So a lot of like sports stuff for me this week. Surprise, surprise. Right. So uh, first thing, if you're watching, listening Monday, um, depending on when Monday night is uh, Philly's game for me, I actually have Philly's bookending my week. So Monday and Sunday, I will be uh, at Citizens Bank to take in Philly's games. Fingers crossed they win them both. Uh, if they split, that's fine. If they lose them both, you know, I've had a good run. So um, we will see, but that that is something I typically look forward to, especially as the weather is not going to be as blisteringly hot this this coming week as it has been here in central PA. So finally was able to like wear a long sleeve shirt outside the other day. That hasn't happened since like June. So we're finally starting to get closer to like the fall things. Pumpkin spice is starting to pop up here and there. So it will soon be that time of year. And I love that time of year. So looking forward to that as well. Uh, and the other thing motivating me this week ahead. Um, so it, it's motivated me and it's not. So my wife is still in the classroom. She is a high school uh, history teacher and my daughter is in pre-K right now. So this coming week is the first week that they are back to school, both of them full time. So this will be the first week where I have like total silence aside from like my dogs barking chaotically when a package gets dropped off. But I don't know what I'm going to be doing with myself. I, I might miss the chaos. I might miss hearing, you know, cars playing in the background or arguing over which episode of Paw Patrol we just watched. And if we have to watch it again for the third time, but um, so we'll see. Um, it will be a little less chaotic in the background when I'm on calls starting this week for a few months now. So um, it's always kind of a, a week grace period where I get used to that. So I'm I'm looking forward to it, but I'm also going to miss the the extra time I get with them uh, throughout the day, the lunch dates, the coloring book dates, all of that stuff. So a hit and miss, but either way, uh, looking forward to it. So in terms of the goals I have set for my week ahead, I have a lot of open positions that are kind of varying in, in what we're looking for. As you know, I work for a company that's in manufacturing, but I hire for office positions as well. So I have a lot of moving parts, a lot of variety. So just making sure I'm looking at the different job boards that we utilize, make sure the right post teams are going to the right places and making sure I'm following up with that. So we'll make sure that that is taken care of. I also have a lot of uh, new starts happening next Monday. So the 28th, that was a popular day for a lot of people to start their careers with the company. So checking in on them, making sure that they are still set to go. They have everything they need for their first day on Monday. And the win from the week before, I typically will talk about positions that I filled. And I did fill a couple, but if you know Matt, you know wrestling is life for Matt. WrestleMania is coming to Philadelphia. My friends and I were able to secure tickets. So we are officially going like it's a thing. That was like the big thing for the week I needed to accomplish beyond, you know, what I accomplished at work was just in the back of my mind, like we got to get these tickets and we did. So that's the win. Looking forward to that. So that's what's going on in my world this week. Lauren, what do you have going on on your end? So the things that motivated me this week were definitely um, a little bit different than yours. Mine, I have to shout out Diet Coke first because <laughs> it 
uh, keeps me caffeinated and I drink a lot of like caffeinated water during the day. Um, and so I've been really like trying to focus on making sure that I'm drinking water, but getting caffeine. Some people say that doesn't count, but I mean, whatever it counts for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> another thing is I just finished this book called, um, Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown. And that has majorly been influencing and motivating me this week just to be more, um, cognizant of the way I show up in my interactions with people at work and in my real life too. So um, that has been super helpful to me. And then similarly to you, I also have um, had a lot of back to school fun going on. I've got a fourth grader, just started fourth grade last week. They started in the middle of the week. So we've been doing all the back to school craziness and I have had a quiet house um for the past few days which has been really really nice and so um yeah that's been great but just all the excitement I serve on the PTA board of my son's school so just kind of that's a new role for me so digging into that and just getting ready you know for all the fun events that we're gonna do so those have all been kind of keeping me going and keeping me excited this this week and then um as far as like my goals for next week I'm continuing with my season of, you know, focusing on myself, making sure I'm meeting my own needs during um, my workday because I work remotely too. And I really struggle with self-imposed structure and things like that. So like reminding myself to take breaks and drink enough water and um, moving around, things like that. So those are my big goals for next week is making sure I'm going on a walk with my girlfriends every morning, making sure I'm taking those necessary like brain and water breaks. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that is a constant struggle. So it's always my goal. Yeah, definitely. That You don't have a bell to remind you to do those things anymore. <laughs> I put sticky notes all around my computer. Like <laughs> I have a sticky note library all around everywhere. Gotcha. Gotcha. So uh, the the reason we connected and and I invite you to be on the show and, and you agreed was co- to kind of talk about that your move out of the classroom. So you you taught Spanish for some time, um, and so now you are focusing more on uh, curriculum instructional development. So for you and I know a lot of people that I talk to who are transitioning out of the classroom, they they need to make a change. They want to make a change, but at the same time, they want to keep you know their finger on the pulse of education. You want to stay connected to that what you enjoyed about it you know, what you love about being a teacher and find out other ways that you can pursue that. So how did that search go for you? Was curriculum instructional development kind of at the forefront when you started the transition out? Or was that something through a lot of research that you came to find, this is probably the right fit for me? Well, so I did what a lot of people encourage transitioning teachers to do, which at the time, I didn't know, I just kind of naturally did it. But I did that thing where I just sort of sat down and like made a list of all the different things that I really, really love about teaching and the things I think I'm pretty good at. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then I just kind of decided from there what I was going to, what I was going to look for. I will say at the time that I actually transitioned, I was, I was trying to transition out of the classroom, but not education per se. Mm -hmm. So, um, I did prepare a resume that was, you know, like outside of education friendly that had kind of some of those terms translated and different things like that. But it wasn't actually my 
main focus when I was trying to transition out. I was really kind of hoping to stay more in the world language realm and do, um, you know, like instructional coaching full time for world languages. There's some districts. I live in North Texas and there's quite a few districts that are starting to add those positions. And so I was, you know, really looking forward to doing something like that or working in a central admin position that was around either professional development, world language, any of those things that really just kind of are my edge of jams. Right. And so um, that's kind of where I was headed. And then um, it just worked out that I found a job outside of education before I could even do my interviews for um, the different roles that I was looking at within education. Okay. So yeah, it, it was a little um, strange how that ended up working out. It doesn't it seems kind of counterintuitive, like you would think it would happen the other way around, but mm -hmm. yeah, I was that's... looking early in the semester. So I think that's why too was the timing part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So a lot of the questions that, that I get that I'm sure you get from other people that are transitioning into a new role is focusing on the job search itself. So the steps you took. Um, so for that overall process in terms of the the resume, any tweaking that you might have done, interview prep, because interviewing for a position outside of the classroom is entirely different from preparing for an interview where you're making presentations and going in front of boards and things like that. So, you know, what were some of the steps that, that you took when it came to getting yourself ready for that? And of course, the imposter syndrome question was that is something that popped up for you. How did you battle that if you had to? Well, so I would say that um, pretty much what I did was I made that list. I, I looked for jobs that kind of aligned to that. And then um, I looked at my resume and made a duplicate copy. So for me personally, since I was um, open to like ed tech type jobs and things like that, um, but I was still super early on in my search, um, I made two versions. So I had like an ed resume and a non-ed resume mm -hmm. but truthfully I didn't know as much then as I know now and so yeah. my my um non-ed resume looks very different now than it did even when I transitioned because I've learned a ton mm -hmm. um just from social media from LinkedIn and other you know connections that I have um I, I love my job and I'm not trying to leave but as I learn new things I I keep my resume and all of that up to date so that I'm never in a position to scramble should sure. something come up. So I did do a lot of the resume translation, like they talk about, like translating terms from education to corporate. Mm -hmm. I did some of that. Um, but again, I was a little bit more focused on my education realm because I'm just so into instruction um, and designing instruction and backward design and um different things like that. And so I really wanted a job where I could do all of the things that I love and, um, but still impact people in education. Yeah. So I'm really, really lucky that I found the job that I did. And I have to admit, I probably didn't interview, um, complete, like I didn't change my interview approach as much as I maybe would now, but okay. at the time, I knew for a fact that the ed job that I was looking or the ed tech job that I had applied for was um, looking for someone who had come right out of the classroom. So I was hesitant to like change too much. 
because mm-hmm. they wanted someone with that strong educator background. So I wanted that to shine through, but at the same time, show them that like I could handle a corporate environment. Gotcha. So I will say I probably stuck way closer to my education roots for that interview, which ended up serving me well, but it probably isn't like advice I would give to people in general. (laughs) Right. Understood. So now that you've made the transition, and one of the things I'd like to ask anyone who's transitioned from the classroom into something new when they join me for this is to, you know, to give that glimmer of hope to people that are in their own search, you know, so now that you've made the transition, you're in this new role, what are some of the things that A, you enjoy most about it? And also, what skills did you develop as an educator that you have now found made this transition a little easier for you because you were already prepared to face this aspect of the job that you're now doing? Yeah, so I'm going to start with that second question first because my answer is slightly more involved. But I, um, the last two to three years that I was teaching, um, I had changed districts and um, I went to a district that was very technology focused and the one that I had come from wasn't. So I'd say that the biggest like upskilling I did um, kind of without meaning to even was just through changing districts and becoming um, a lot more proficient with um, different like educational technologies. I knew more about the different options that were out there. I used more uh, different apps and and, like sauce services and as a service, I used a bunch of different products like that way more in my last few years of teaching than I had previously. Okay. Um, and so that really helped a lot, just kind of being aware of what was out there and what the different like ed tools were, how they were used, um, and then being very intentional about incorporating those in my instruction. I am a person who's all about engagement. I am not like a sit and get type of girl. And Um, as a learner or as a presenter. And so I also did a lot of um, incorporation of those tech tools that I was learning as a teacher um, into any presentation opportunities that I had available to me. And I also really tried to increase those because I wanted more presentation experience. So I started applying to present at a bunch of different conferences and volunteering to do a lot of Um, presentation and training for my schools um, that I worked at. So I, I would say that all of that really helped me in my transition, particularly the um, presenting piece, because even though it wasn't part of my original job description in the job that I got when I transitioned out of the classroom, I ended up doing that um, virtually a lot, like hosting different trainings and things like that. And so um, you know, teaching online during COVID helped <laughs> with that too. Um, so yeah, those are all different things that I did. And I also, the other piece that I usually encourage people who want to get into curriculum design is get yourself published. I didn't do anything fancy, but I um, definitely focused on getting myself published on some online um, like journal publications for teachers. Um, and so that's really it's a good way to get your name out there. But even beyond that, when you do that, those websites typically have a team of people that are working on editing that content. And Mm -hmm. so I got to work with some leading people in my field that I never thought I would get to meet. And they were editing my writing and I was learning through that process. 
Um, and so that was extremely helpful. And then also just being a part of curriculum writing at my district level and working on some other like character ed uh, curriculum writing projects, which is now what I do, which I had no idea a few years ago that that was what I would end up doing. So all of those things really helped a lot. And I recommend, I mean, teachers are always so busy and we, there's always so much on your plate, but if you can, what I kind of had to do was I had to tell myself like, okay, these last few years I'm focusing on me. I tried to transition in 2017 didn't work, not even a little. So what can I do in these last few years of teaching to focus on growing myself as a professional so that I can eventually get out of the classroom? So that was really sort of like my mental space, mm -hmm. um, which helped me a lot. And then, like I said, I made a bunch of decisions based on what I thought would get me there. So networking, joining um, boards of different um, you know, or professional organizations in my state, um, all of that stuff. So it all helped. Yeah, that's very insightful and key advice that I think a lot of people don't really think to do. And, and so it's that's perfect. And I appreciate you sharing that. Um, now, you've also been very active on LinkedIn, um, you know, recently. And, and one of the other reasons I reached out to you is I noticed a lot of the posts you were doing to encourage people who are starting or in their transition out of the classroom, including your Monday motivation posts to highlight other transitioning educators as well. So, you know, how important was that for you now that you have made the, the transition yourself to kind of be that resource for other people, not just with advice, but to give them that push, give them that boost like you're trying to do now through LinkedIn? Um, yeah, so the first thing that I always say when I'm asked about this is, it is possible to be on both sides of the coin to want to help people who are currently still in the classroom and and give them hope and resources and, you know, just celebrate them and love on them. And at the same time, want to help people who want to transition out. So I think that's like one of the things that I face a lot is people are like, how can you do your job? Which, you know, is literally creating resources for teachers. And then at the same time, be so open about your transitioning journey and willing to help others transition out of the classroom. Right. And, you know, my answer to that is like, life is complicated. Like emotions are complicated. I have so much love for education. And obviously like I have a child, I don't want all of his teachers in right. the classroom or anything yeah. like that. But I, I think that it is so important that people feel fulfilled and mentally healthy in their workspace. And unfortunately, like, public education is just not doing that for a lot of people right now. And so I want to do the work that I do for my day job and all the ways like, and through like my PTA service and all the ways I can help current teachers. But it's really important to me that if someone is feeling like, you know, I just don't think I can do this anymore. I think I need to leave the classroom for my mental health. I just want people to know that they're not alone in that. And right. that, there are so many like transitioning teachers are not by default angry or hateful or bitter. There's so many of us that it was heart wrenching to make the decision to leave the classroom. And it was really hard. And I grappled with it for a few years before I actually did it. And so I think that just getting that more positive spin on the, on the message of like, don't leave, you know, like, 
I'm not talking about leaving education because education sucks or anything like that. It's, it's important to validate the feelings of the teachers that are feeling so downtrodden and so disrespected and so undervalued. And, you know, and I think that most schools are doing the best they can and districts and all that. I, I think everyone is really trying, but at the end of the day, you have to do what's best for your mental health. And if that's leaving the classroom and seeking other opportunities, I mean, I always want to be the kind of person that pays it forward. And there were so many people that helped me in my transition. And I just want to be that resource for other people, whether I know them or not. So I, you know, am totally willing to give people advice in my DMs and LinkedIn or, you know, on my, on my, um, uh, on my TikTok. Like the first thing that I did when I transitioned or one of the first things I did was I made a TikTok to kind of just like talk about my transition and air some things out, like how I was feeling and what I was going through because I wanted to relate to people. And um, it was really helpful for me. My therapist actually suggested it. Um, She was like, you know, if you're struggling with deconstructing leaving education, like why don't you try sharing your story? And so that's exactly what I'm trying to do with my TikTok and also with my LinkedIn. But you know, just doing it in as positive as a way of possible and really getting out there to people that like their feelings and emotions are valid. And if they're feeling all those things and they want to transition, it's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So last question I'll have for you, and it's the one I ask everyone that, that comes on, you know, regardless of the the position they're in and, and where they got to, because everyone's gone through a job search at, at some point in your career, you know, whether you were just starting out of college or it's been years and you've done it again recently, but, you know, that, that key piece of advice. So whether it was advice that you received during your own search that you felt was invaluable to get to where you are, or a piece of advice that you try to give to anyone that comes to you, but what is that that key piece of advice that you like to pass on to to anyone that is in their current job search? It's probably very cliche, but just to be your most most authentic self, Um, to be your most authentic self in the way you present yourself through your resume um, and also the way you present yourself through interviews, but even just in your mentality towards your job search, I think one mistake that so many people make is they just try to like that whole mentality of like throwing everything up against the wall to see what sticks when they're searching for a job Mm -hmm. rather than searching for very particular, you know, narrow niches that they think they'll fit into. And so, you know, part for me, part of being my authentic self was finding my niche, like where do I fit in all of this and how can I be a good fit in this company, even within this role? Um, And the other, and part of that too, is just knowing that, you know, regardless of what's in the job description, you can make roles your own. And I think voicing how you plan to do that or would like to do that in interviews can also be really helpful and help set you apart. Like I have all these random skills I'd like to use. So how can I do that? That was a question I asked in interviews was, hey, I've got some graphic design and Um, abilities and I'm bilingual and I can do this and that like how can I work these into this job description to make it my own here's a couple of ideas I have and I would share that and then I would pose that as a question to the interviewer too so um I think yeah just authenticity is my biggest piece of advice 
Absolutely. Well, Lauren, I appreciate so much you taking some time out of your day to, to join me and, and give the, the advice and insight that you did. I know there's a lot of people that are still on their journey that will be very appreciative as well. So if you're listening, if you're watching, thanks so much for supporting. Uh, we hope you have a great week and we will see you next Monday.